This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum. I told you guys I'd be right back. Alhamdulillah, tonight is one of the um, most special nights for me in the last couple of years. There's a particular man that I have personally known, and I met him a few years ago before he became one of the most recognizable faces in America. And I love him for the sake of Allah. And I truly do. And so I say that before I even read his bio, and I think that by the end of this session, you will love him as well. Dr. Yusuf Salam was just 15 years old when his life was upended after being wrongfully convicted with four other boys in the Central Park Jagger case. In 2002, after the young men spent years of their lives behind bars, their sentences were overturned. Now known as the Exonerated Five, their story has been documented in the award-winning film, The Central Park Five, and of course the series, When They See Us. Over the past two decades, Yusuf has become a family man, a father, a poet, an activist, and an inspiration. And he continues to use his platform to educate the public about the impact of mass incarceration and police brutality rooted in our justice system. He has been honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award from President Obama, amongst other honors. And you have seen him on the stages of multiple award ceremonies. Please watch this short video about Dr. Yusuf Salam, and then we will bring him out, inshallah ta'ala. On the morning of April 20th, 1989, New York City awakened to the horrifying news. A Wall Street investment bank left for dead after a brutal attack while she was jogging in Central Park. A female jogger was clinging to life after being beaten and sexually assaulted in Central Park. The city was outraged. The police quickly arrested a group of teenagers, among them Yusuf Salam. Their trial gripped the city, their conviction seen by many at the time as justice served. Arrested at 15, you spend seven years in, in prison for a crime you did not commit, vilified in the public for years. Not even just a smidge of bitterness. I got to tell you, I found out that a thing like forgiveness, as, as, as an example of where we can go with being able to get out of being bitter, forgiveness is for you. It's for you to be able to surgically cut yourself from the ball and chain that is holding you back. But this dua, right, that my mother told me in prison, um, she would say, um, she would say, I invoke the perfect words of Allah to protect us against the evil that may come from sky or earth, against the tests of night and day. In the name of Allah, gracious and merciful. You think part of your purpose in life was, was going to prison for a crime you didn't commit? Absolutely. Every year, dear brothers and sisters, we have a Confident Muslim Award named after Muhammad Ali, the Yaqeen Institute Muhammad Ali Confident Muslim Award. Typically, we give this award at our annual banquet in Dallas, but alhamdulillah, 
Tonight we do this at Mass, inshallah ta'ala. So please help me in welcoming our 2021 Muhammad Ali Confident Muslim of the Year, Dr. Yusuf Salam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I am honored and thankful to be standing here in front of you today. I grew up in a time when the system believed that we were guilty because of the color of our skin. They paraded us in front of the people and made the people believe that our mothers and our fathers had given birth to what was amounted to be the scum of the earth. But what they didn't contend with was the plan of Allah. They say that man plans and God plans, and surely God is the best of planners. I look at the Central Park Jagger case as a love story between God and his people. I call it that because this same system that tried to convict us became the criminal system of injustice for me. But Allah used this case, the Central Park Jagger case, to place the whole system on trial and to topple it. The system put us in prison and they buried us, but they forgot that we were seeds. And instead of a social death, we were able to emerge like the phoenix from the ashes because just like they built the fire to consume us, they forgot the owner of the heat. Allah allowed the prison to be cool and safe. I was able to go into the prison and study. I was able to go into the prison and learn. My first five years there, they made me the imam of the young people that was there. When I aged out of the youth facility at 21, I got sent to a place called Clinton, one of the worst prisons in New York City, New York rather. While I was there, they wanted me to be the naive of the community. This was after they named me the Qadi for a year and a half. Every position that I was in, having been given the worst label that you could go to prison for, that of rape, Allah allowed me to be in a place of safety. Allah allowed me to be restored in my honor. And Allah blessed me to be binded to this faith. 
my mother and my father, after I was born, we know the traditions. They observed me for seven days. And on the seventh day, they brought me in front of the people. And they said my name was to be known as Yusuf, Idris, Fa'adl, Abdus Salam. I never knew what that meant. I got to prison, and an officer asked me, who was I? And I said, I'm Yusuf Salam, one of the guys they accused of raping a Central Park jogger, but I didn't do it. And he said, I know that. I've been watching you. You're not supposed to be here. Why are you here? Who are you? I found out that not only does Yusuf define my whole story, but Yusuf in English is the equivalent to the prophet Joseph. But that still doesn't define what Yusuf means. As I searched to find a definition of what this name that my mother had given me, I found that Yusuf meant God will increase. I found that Idris means the teacher. I found that Fa'adl, Allah is the most just, with justice. And of course, everyone knows Salam is peace. I was in prison when I found out the meaning of my name for the first time, and I was floored. The beauty that this story would take and the shape it would go on even to this day and beyond. I'm continuously humbled and thankful to be alive, but more importantly, I'm so thankful to be able to call myself Muslim, to have been born witness Over and above everything else. We won a lawsuit, they gave us a few million dollars. I came home from prison and my faculties were still intact. I still had a mind, but over and above that, I had the shahada. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharikala, wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. Thank you, I'm honored. And Brother Suleiman is coming out again. <laughs> I want to share. I want to share a poem. I want to share this poem because one of the most powerful things that happened to me in prison was that I began. I began to realize that I was a vessel. And I was walking down the corridors to the mess hall in the prison. And all of a sudden, this poem came into my mind. It was called Venus and Mars. In between Venus and Mars is the center of our attraction. Of those connected to the stars, hardly a fraction. It behooves man to work for the day when this will all end. Life is mortal, so follow the malat of those heavens sent. Awaken and receive that which will give you life or remain horizontal and never begin the flight. For the solution, I'll descend from amongst the stars and I'll meet you in between Venus and Mars.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm sure that uh, we, we could have listened to you speak for a very long time. <laughs> I, so the first time I heard, heard you speak was actually in a very sacred place. The first time I heard Dr. Yusuf speak was actually at the podium in the very spot that Al-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz Malcolm X spoke his last words in the Shabazz Center, which is the former Audubon. And I heard you recite Khutbah al-Hajjah. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And I'd actually request you to do that, inshallah, if you don't mind, and then we can start, inshallah. <laughs> because I, and, and I want to, I want to say why, inshallah, but if, would you mind, Dr. It's the introduction, inshallah. Yes. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Alhamdulillah. In Alhamdulillahi Nahmaduhu wa Nasta'inuhu wa Nasta'akfiruhu wa Nuhminu bihi wa Natawaku alayhi wa Na'udhu Billahi Min Shirari Anfusina wa Man Sayyati Amalina Man Yahdi Allah Falamudillala wa Man Yulillahi Falahadiyallah wa Nashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharikala <laughs> when I heard you say it, I remember there are multiple incidents with the Prophet where he just recited that and people became Muslim. And I asked you about it and you said that you were giving khutbah in prison. And that's why you learned that because you were the one giving khutbahs in prison. So I want to ask you to First of all, reflect a little bit more on your name, Yusuf. Mm. You went to prison and you had companions. In prison, you became a leader. And then everything from your prison experience transformed the way that you viewed the world afterwards. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the name Yusuf and the story of Yusuf, when you're reading, what is it like when you read Surah Yusuf? You know, when I read Surah Yusuf, I get so much from it because for one, I'm, I'm overjoyed that my name is mentioned in the Quran. <laughs> and I'm overjoyed as well because my, my son, my last child that was born to me, was born also on my birthday. And he also shares my name. When I read the story of Yusuf, I think about over and above just the fact that his physical brothers were the ones that felt the way they felt about him. But I think about the family the, the humanity that we come from, and how people feel different ways about other people, about how in America we were taken from a place and turned into chattel slaves by some of our people, and how in this place we were able to thrive. Allah gives you lemons in life, and you can either say, why do I have lemons? Or you can say, I'm gonna make some lemonade. And then you can make it look cool. You can start squeezing the lemons, taking the juice out, and then start juggling them as you watch the people and say, check this out, y'all. It's a really, really amazing thing though, because the other side was that I was realizing that how much grace Allah was giving me. How Allah was, was really, raising me as Allah raised Idris. 
to a high station. No equivalent at all. But just for me, in a little bit of my understanding, how merciful Allah was. That I was able to go through this situation and I call myself growing through it as opposed to just going through it. That anything that we grow through has the opportunity to turn us into our best selves. That life oftentimes challenges you, not because life hates you or God hates you, but God wants you to be able to become your best self. And so he hits you with a two by four. So that when the, when the next time the two by four is coming, you now have peripheral vision and you know when to duck. It's a beautiful thing though, because now I get the opportunity to tell my children. I get the opportunity to tell others about the amazing thing called a trial and how you can go through the trial, never cursing God, but always being thankful. And God will bless you because of that. And just because you went through it, that doesn't mean you won't be tested again, like Allah says in the Quran. Do not you see, we test you at least once or twice a year. Our prayer and our hope is that we succeed and we pass the test every single time. Was, uh, was Yusuf always at this level of tranquility and peace, mashallah? So as, as I've seen you, always at peace, sakina, tranquility. Were you always a tranquil person? Were you always at peace? And if not, at what point in your life did you feel like there was a turning point where you were able to develop that peace of heart and peace of mind? I would say that for the most part, most of my life has been a peaceful life. There are times I think where I have to be reminded to be patient. And when I remember that, being, being patient, the sabr, it's not about just being patient. It's the what are you doing while you're being patient that really causes you to be patient. What happened to me allowed me to realize that we are in control of nothing and Allah is in control of everything. So much so that even in this era of COVID, we want to be able to live our best lives. We want to be able to live, as Allah says to sometimes the unbelievers, a thousand years. But Allah says, if you don't believe that you are not in control, that you, if you think you are in control, Allah says, when your soul is leaving your body, try to pull it back. The beauty of Islam is to know that you can, as you turn your will over to Allah, and I ask Allah to mold you, to shape you, to beautify you, to magnify you, Allah, through me. A good friend of mine who is also Muslim spent 27 years in prison. His name is Jimmy Gardner. Jimmy Gardner reminded me, thank God I don't look like what I've been through because we could have been majnoon. We could have been totally out of our minds. We could have been cursing Allah out. We could have been a scourge, but now we are a blessing. 
as you... One of the things I've always admired about you, and I've watched you speak over these last few years, is that you always seem to be pulling from your moments of vulnerability. And sometimes as you're describing those moments, it's as if I could see you seeing it. And you do that, I think, because you want to help others get out of their moments. Can you walk us through your lowest point? You know, there's a point even in the lives of the prophets, Yunus salam in the belly of a whale. Can you walk us through the darkest moments and how you got out by the permission and grace of Allah? In my... I write about my lowest point in my very first book. That book is a book of poetry. One of the poems that I read to you was from that book. It's called Words of a Man, My Right to Be. I talk about how much of the poems that were written in that book were written while I was in prison. Maybe 90% of the poems in that book was written while I was in prison. But the reason why I decided to share that book when I brought it out was because I wanted people to know that when you find yourself in so-called dark places, there's always a light somewhere in the darkness. And oftentimes that light is inside you. You can illuminate your own darkness and shine your light on the world. Because what happens is that the devil is trying to make you believe that all hope is lost. You could have, I remember one time I was in prison, I had the worst, I mean, I had such a bad sore throat. I wanted somebody to cut my throat out and give me a new throat. And I was crying and I was in pain. And the only thing I could do was turn to Allah because what they were doing in the prison was they were experimenting on us. They wouldn't give us medicine, not the medicine we needed. They were giving us stuff that was causing us to become sick. But when I turned to Allah, it was like by the morning, everything was gone. I was completely healed. It's that, it's that moment where you remember, here I was going into a place, and I had to remember what my mother said to me, as you all heard on the video. I seek refuge in the most perfect word of Allah from the evil of that which he has created. The kalima, I bear witness that there is nothing worthy of worship but Allah. Allah blesses us because even in those moments, Allah is allowing us to become binded to the Surat al-Mustaqeem. As long as you stay faithful, as long as you stay thankful, as long as you say, Ya Allah, Allah is binding you to the faith so that you, can, it, you won't be able to be ripped from it. This life will cause you to be challenged. Some of the most difficult things that we've gone through is nothing when we hear about the stories of the Prophet, peace be upon him, or even the stories of the other people that came before. This is nothing. And all I ask is Allah, make it easy. <laughs> so I'm going to put you in a situation. You're talking to a young man who has lost all hope 
or a young woman because everything that they have worked towards has been taken away from them, or so they think. That young man is you in prison, knowing that you're there unjustly and not seeing a way out. What do you tell a young person that's losing faith and doesn't see a way out right now? If you're counseling, there are multiple people that are sitting here right now that are in a situation where they feel imprisoned by their circumstances, even if they're not in the physical prison that you were in. What do you tell a young person that has been wronged or is at that breaking point where they don't know if they have faith anymore and they're losing hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I tell them what my mother told me. My mother told me this. If you've seen When They See Us, there's a moment, and for those of us who haven't seen it, this is not a spoiler. This happened very early in the film. But there's a moment where my mother came into the interrogation room and got me away from the police. What you don't see is what happened in that moment, because in the very next scene or thereabouts, I was back in the prison. In the time my mother had with me, she told me something. And what she told me, I'll never forget. Because I had to take her words into the prison with me. And then I had to take her words after I came home from prison into life. My mother said to me, they need you to participate in whatever it is that they're trying to do. Do not participate, refuse. For me, it was the box, the box that was labeled inmate, the box that would allow me to never come out of that circumstance but physically feel like the only life that I was to live was the life of a prisoner, a person that came out of prison and went back in, and then came out and went back in because that's how they designed the life for us. And then the next thing I would tell you is that Allah created you on purpose. Allah makes no mistakes. And if you believe you were born by mistake, you move throughout your life as if you are a mistake. When you think about even the process of us being born, now I can say this because it's cleaned up for all audiences. It's the story of the birds and the bees. But when our mother and father got together, each and every one of us were one of over 400 million options. And Allah chose you. I mean, imagine that. If we, if we add like a movie kind of scene to it, one is trying to get forward and goes, no, not you, get out of the way, not you. you not, your time is not yet. You, me? You. Not only is that a purposeful birth, but if you were born on purpose, then you have to know that you have a purpose. The challenge is for us to find out what our purpose is. And just like Dr. King said, Dr. King said, when you find your purpose in life, do it as if God himself called you to do it at this very moment. And instead of giving us a grand idea of what purpose could be, he said, even if your purpose in life is to be a street sweeper, sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, 
Sweep the streets, he said, like Beethoven composed music, like Leotone Price sang before the opera. We all want to be able to find what that purpose is. And let me tell you, Allah didn't just create us to be on the sidelines. Allah created us to be active. Because at the end of our lives, like Allah says in the Quran, have we not given you life long enough? Allah is going to ask us, like Allah says through Hadith Qudsi, what did you do with the life I gave you? And hopefully the things that we did were Fisa Beautiful answer. And this idea of Allah mentioning that He brought you into this world. He eased you into this world. And then a person dies and they go to their grave. The fact that you've taken your experience and you've turned it into a teaching moment for America is something that's deeply inspiring. And so I want you to teach this audience, what does the Muslim community and America as a whole, the American Muslim community in America in the broader sense, need to know about racism and mass incarceration and how it has impacted your life and how we see young people that are perhaps in the same situation that you once were? Wow. I think that what, what we need to know is that they plan and Allah plans. Right now in America, there's a thing called separation of church and state. That causes people to believe that what they're doing as their job has nothing to do with their religious or faith-based life, when the exact opposite is the most truest. Everything that they do matters. Some people say, I'm just doing my jobs. So on Friday, I go to the masjid. On Saturday, I go to the temple or the synagogue. And on Sunday, I go to church. In Islam, we marry the so-called church and state. Our faith dictates how we move throughout our lives. There's a thing in America called the Constitution. And as we read the Constitution, we find that it begins with the words, we the people. And if we stop right there and test the temperature and ask, who were they talking about? They weren't talking about black and brown people. Black and brown people were still considered three-fifths of a person. If you skip over and go right to the 13th Amendment, you find that in the 13th Amendment it says, even though slavery is abolished, it says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States or any other place subject to their jurisdiction. But that's not even the most important part. The most important part is section two. It says Congress shall have the power through legislation to make this so. And so I want you to step back for a moment and look at this document and realize that this document is talking about something that was a stain on America being abolished, but yet being allowed to continue and morph into something else. It morphed into the prison industrial complex a place that they would rather send you to, especially if you're black or brown. 
I mean, think about the Central Park Jogger case for a moment. I was the tallest out of the group. I was presumed the darkest out of the group. And I was the only Muslim in the group. I was a threat. They wanted to arrest my development before I had an opportunity to even grow. They wanted to give me a definition for myself that Allah didn't choose for me. But Allah gave me a Rubik's cube to figure out with the life that I was given. But Allah didn't do that for me. Allah gave this life and this example of me for you. Dr. Yusuf, we are, um, we're at the end, but I got to ask you in one minute, inshallah ta'ala. Al-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, Malcolm X, rahimahullah, said, I believe Islam has the solution to the problem of racism in America. How does Islam have the solution to racism in America, in your heart and mind? Because if we understand racism, the, you know how like they have these movies and they have the movies and it says the, the origin story? So you just saw the whole movie and you saw the series and now because they need to make a little bit more money, they come to the beginning, how the people were born. How, what, made it, what made them into this? The origin story of racism is shaitan. Wa'udhu billah. Allah Ta'ala says in various places of the Quran that when he created man, he told everything that was there to bow down. And shaitan refused. Allah asks, why didn't you bow down when I commanded you to do so? The devil said, because I am better than him. There's only one race, and that's the human race. Islam gives us the ability to see every single man as our father, our brother, or our son and gives us the ability to see every single woman as our mother, our sister, or our daughter. I didn't say our wife. I didn't say our wife. Because if you think about it, there's a problem in America, especially in the black community. We've been given a negative viewpoint about women. Islam is the solution because if we saw every woman as our mother, how would we treat them? If we saw every woman as our sister, how would we protect them? If we saw every woman as our daughter, we would lay down our lives for them. And in the same way as our brother, our father, and our sons. That's Islam. Islam is not a new thing. Because Allah says sometimes he abrogates a faith with something else. And sometimes he supports it. Islam is the faith that we were born to follow. This is the last brick that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was put to build the house of faith. 
Islam is it. Islam cleans all of that up. It allows us to be just in our dealings, in public and in private, seen and hidden. Our private life is never different than our public life, or at least that's what we strive to be. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. Dr. Yusuf, salam. Uh, for everyone to know, uh, inshallah ta'ala, you have your book, and it's a beautiful book. Uh, Dr. Yusuf, inshallah ta'ala, will be at the main mass booth, and he has some of his books here, inshallah ta'ala, and he'll be signing his book so you can meet him in person. But I want you to know that you make us proud as a community, that the way that you have represented yourself, your struggle, and your faith community has inspired us all. So may Allah bless you and keep you firm and keep you sincere and keep you steadfast. And may Allah allow you to continue to be a teacher and a student and a humble servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and raise you and all of us to the highest position of Jannah al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. Dr. Yusuf has been in multiple uh, big stages, but I think this is the first time you're addressing a Muslim conference of this oh, size. Oh, and I love it. This is beautiful. You all are beautiful. <laughs> this is beautiful. I don't know if you can see yourselves, but you all, this is a sea. This is my brothers and my sisters. I love y'all. <laughs> so can you all give him, since this is the, the first time, that he's addressed the Muslim audience of this size. Can you all give him the loudest Allahu Akbar that he has ever heard? Takbir. <laughs> Takbir. <laughs> Takbir. Allahu Akbar. MashaAllah. JazakAllah khair. Dr. Yusuf, congratulations once again. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.